So these interviews, 31 interviews, 31 perspectives, highlights the reality of foster care as well as mental health. And we are collaborating with Alexis Smith, Talk It Out. And so as we dive into these interviews, we're really learning the perspective from all different angles, from foster parents, case managers, therapists, foster youth. We're understanding foster care from the dynamic of everyone involved, as well as discussing mental health issues from people who either suffer from mental health issues themselves or working with people and its demographics that deals and suffers with mental health concerns and understanding what we can do as a broader community to have the conversations to really destigmatize mental health um, counseling and therapy as well as getting help and seeking out assistance when we need it desperately and so i just want to mention that these episodes coming forth is just to highlight some of the experiences that we have some of the stories that we don't talk about too much and give us an understanding that really without these conversations we are disconnected from each other and with these conversations we are understanding that i can take from your experience and learn from your experience so i really hope that you take these interviews and they are helpful for you and if not you can share the interviews with a former foster youth a current foster youth or someone that needs help in understanding their perspective of mental health and they're taking their mental health and their healing journey very serious and they just want something to listen to to kind of get them over the hump we are gladly able to be here for them and enjoy the podcast enjoy these episodes can you tell me about the process of why you became a foster parent well my husband had passed and i was here by myself and my husband's sister uh, was a foster parent and my grandson and um lived across the street and so she she suggested it to me she said why don't you become a foster parent you make a good foster parent and i talked it over with my grandson and he said oh yeah grandma i'm gonna get boys because he had two sisters mm -hmm. and so that's when I, I i decided to go ahead on and give it a try yeah okay i like that because my grandma <laughs> I lived with her, and so she was doing it for a very long time. Can you tell me how long it's been? Um, I think it's 18 years. October, oh. this past October, this was 18 years. Uh, so you mm. see, yeah, you got to see a lot of kids come through your house. And yeah. see, like, a lot of personalities, a lot of different things that were going on with them. Can you tell me just one story. I know that you have a ton of them, but one story particularly that impressed you enough to continue doing this good work. Well, can I 
actually tell you two real quick. Okay. My first Thank foster you. child came and he and I, uh, we, we bonded and I thought we were doing fine. But right before Christmas, he ran away. I was so devastated. I said, no more. I'm not even going to do this. I felt, I'm here. I'm thinking we, but then later, um, when he, he did come back for a short period, but I found out that whatever drama had happened in his life had happened during the Christmas. And that's what he was doing. He would get in a home and right at that time, I guess it was just, just shower him and he just had to leave. And so I'm like, okay. But I, I had gave it up for like a few months. I said, oh no. And then one of the TCs at Presley Ridge said, oh, Miss James, come on. You can't let that discourage you and you just throw in the towel. So I said, okay, I'll give it another try. But then I think the best, the most impressive, I had a lot of them because, um, but one I, I really love was my baby, Brian. He was in Beachbrook and he had um, a lot of problems, a lot. And um, so I brought him here. He he would hit his head on the bed. He was, he was just in bad shape. So I kept working with him and loving on him. So they had a meeting there. So the teacher left her class, uh, got somebody to watch her class and asked me would I come. Um, she wanted to meet me and she showed me pictures of how this child had towed down a big overhang from the ceiling and her room looked like a uh, tornado had hit it. And she said, since he had came into my home, he was just like night and day, how he would, she just said, I just wanted to meet you. And, and I think that was just, that was right. It wasn't the very first, but it was like, uh, a few years into me doing this and I encouraged me and told me I don't care how bad there is, there is help. So that was one of my good cases and he turned out now he's playing five different instruments and he's doing really well. He's graduated, he got adopted um, and hopefully he'll go to college. Okay. You know, that sounds exciting because, you know, the first interaction that a foster parent has with a foster child kind of shapes how they continue or don't continue with this process. And I see that the unfortunate part is that children that go into foster care already feel like they already, you know, been mm -hmm. given. Um, and so foster parents are really there to stick it out and be that support regardless of you know, the emotional issues that, and barriers that they have to cross because we're going through a lot. Um, so I'm just really happy, you know, because obviously you provided something to the, that child and to the multiple children and all the children that, you know, came to your home. Right. And I remember you, you told me that you provide structure. Right. It's really important. Can you talk about the structure that you provide well, you know, it's like when you have, you don't even, after a while, if you have a child in your home for some years, because um, 
basically most of the kids that came into my home end up staying here aging out um, or something to that nature. Now, I had a few that I, I could not deal and I had to let them go. And it was just it was just something um, that just I knew being a foster parent, uh, a single mom. I knew that I could not deal with this child. It sort of was like they were already shaped. And sometimes when you got something shaped and gotten hard, it's hard to restructure it. But sometimes you can find that little soft spot that you can, you know, kind of reshape some of it. But sometimes you can't. But I always... We ate breakfast basically at the same time, lunch and dinner. They got their snacks. We went on vacations. And I never, I never treated them like a foster child. You know, I, when I went on vacation, I did not put my children in respite. I took them with me. I gave them experience. We flew on the plane. We went to Karahari and we went bowling and to the movies and you know and I would let different ones pick out you know and when they did bad I said okay you you know gonna be it because I could not if you mess it up for everybody because I couldn't take one because these are the kind of kids that I had I couldn't leave uh, them home and just take the good ones I had to either take them all or leave we all stayed home but I took them to Disneyland in Florida. But I, you know, a lot of parents would would you would leave their kids, and I never, I wouldn't do that. Now I needed a vacation from my kids, and I I did go away. I think once in the whole years that I had, I took a a weekend vacation on Mother's Day, and I flew to uh, Georgia to visit with my biologicals. And uh, but other than that. You know, it was just a weekend. Sometime I put them in respite for the weekend to get that mental stability back, you know, because you need a break. You cannot, you have to have a break from the children. But that was my main thing. You treat them like family. You love, even if they reject it at first, you love them. And then you talk to them. They love, they love to be talked to. Yeah. And yeah, you know, you you can talk about anything. I got this child now, and oh man, he he carries me in my head in a loop. But I listen and I try to respond because half of the time I don't know what he's talking about, but I try to respond to the best way I can. So you mentioned about taking you know the kids with you, and then I remember you know when I was growing up with my grandma, we mm -hmm. definitely trips. So we got into the car and we would drive to Cincinnati and we would stay down there for about a week or so. And I thought mm -hmm. that was like the funnest thing because for me, it was about freedom. Right. And I always like attached, you know, getting in a car and just driving somewhere. Right. with. Freedom. And so I loved road trips. Right. right? Then with the family included, it's just it makes you feel different. Like you're able to do things and explore. And then the number one thing is exposure. So I'm happy that you were just able to like expose the kids to different things. And, you know, you mentioned talking to them, which you have no idea, right? The new generation is like, they have their own set of issues that they're coming right, up. Right, right. 
their family, I mean, their friends have their own issues and they're coming with all these stories and you're just trying your best to focus and listen. But I like the fact that you said that um, you could find that soft spot and you just have to listen to it. You have to listen to everything and then make a way to kind of understand where they're coming from. And that conversation, because one thing that I know for me was not having the talking relationship with my grandma, even though everything else was provided, I still love to just run my mouth and right. talk. And right. they, like, look at me, I got this award and this is what I've been doing in school. And so what are some of the things that um, you contributed to like academically? Did you go support their um, everything that they were in in school? Cause you know, uh, most of the kids some uh, in my home, I had one go to the job core, and then most I had um, a set of four, but one had to go get help. Three was actually able to go home with the mom, and then I had Michael, Eric, uh, Trevante. I have four more that were able to go home with their mom. So I had about maybe eight or nine kids that were replaced into their natural home, you know. And so then I had about six or seven kids that had really, really serious issues that were able to age out of my home and go into group homes. And so, and then my son that I adopted, he's in college in Columbus. And uh, so uh, I've had all, you know, my kids, but I've attended everything like this child that I have now. I've only had him uh, since November the 15th of last year. And he had to do a step down from Berea and he came into my home, but he's so excited because you know, we've been talking. And one thing I would do, I would go into their rooms at some nights, not every night, and I would cut the TV off and I would read to them. And, you know, we would play games. And in the mornings, like I had one, one going to, had to be picked up on that corner, one had to be picked up, but I can sit in the other corner and, and, and see each school bus. So we would all pile in the car ready for school. And then we would sing. We'd get up singing. In the morning when I rise, give me Jesus. We would just have singing in the morning, you know. And somebody got up in a bad mood, we could sing them into a good mood, you know. We would just, you know, be like that. And I'd be like, oh, no, we're not going to have that this morning. We're going to get up thanking God that we see another day. And we're going to sing and have a good time. And so this child I have now, he's excited. He wants, oh, nanny, you coming? You coming to my graduation? I say, I sure am. So this is, you have to participate into the activities and the things that the kids do in this school, even if it's a school, you know, that, you know, that their lives are, are going to be different from the other child that went to college, but you still have to make them feel important and Believe you me, you should see the difference. You should right. see the difference. I mean, they got their chest out and their head up, and they, I mean, it's it's really something to see. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, Miss James, 
what type of um, age range did you have for the foster youth that, that came into your house? I think the youngest was seven. Okay. And did, did they have like uh, siblings? I know that you had talked about some yeah. siblings, right? Right. I, I did have, I did the, the, the one boy I adopted, he had a brother um, that um, he aged out but uh, adopted his brother because he was they were supposed to uh, mom was supposed to take him home and they end up going into adoption so I adopted him because he loved me and I loved him and there wasn't no place to let him go and so um but I um seven on up to, I think the oldest that I had was 19 and, and I think that's the one that went into the job corps and then I had about, I had it written down. I think it was about six or seven, six that uh, aged out, went into group homes. One went home, one, and the rest went into group homes, you know, because they, uh, MRDB worked with them and found them placement in group home and they called me all, all every week two or three times a week sometimes two or three times a day but um i'm still in some of them lives okay that's pretty nice mm -hmm. you know we always talk about permanency just give me a second okay idea we almost finished here look look at this Ooh. Watch this. What do you want to watch? Give me something. You gotta hurry up. I'm right here. Give me something. Okay, I'll choose for you. What is it? I'll choose. I, I got it. I got it for you, man. Hold on. I'm coming back. Okay. Okay, come on. right here with you. Here, look. Akili and me is on. You see? How old is she? She's three. <laughs> <laughs> How old are you? How old are you, baby? Three. three. You want to talk? How old are you? Are you doing good today? Are you going to be a good baby? Yeah, you're going to be a little, little princess. She likes to be called princess now. <laughs> princess. Um, yes. Mama, little princess. Oh, man. Okay. Um, so, how did you feel about getting a, a child in your custody and they had. Um, like emotional issues that you had to work through. What was the process of you working through those emotional issues? Because I know for me, I have to go to counseling. 
And um, I wish that my grandmother was more um, expressive and talkative because while therapy is nice, it's Mm -hmm. easier if, you know, the foster parent can talk to you. Well, what happened is, you know, I had a real good psychiatrist at Connection and um, she knew me and she really worked with me with my children. And when I saw something, because I've, I've, I discovered a lot of things in some of my kids that even it hadn't even been brought to surface. You know, the county didn't know and because the kids just kept it bottled in. But as we got close and talked, and I was them when they cried, they saw it was not a pretense. They knew it was for real because my heart would be aching with them. And that just drew us closer. And then they had, you know, Presley Ridge, the uh, place that I go through, they have counseling and, and you know, things there set up for the kids that uh, needed help outside of the help they were already getting. So, oh, yeah, I would go. I had to take them because they were you know, on the age and plus I wanted to go and talk to the, the doctor too. You know, I didn't, I didn't want them to tell everything. And then I would talk, we would all be in the room together and then I would leave out and let them talk. So that's the way it went, you know, let them open up and I would tell the doctor things that uh, probably they had said, or I had experienced seeing through them. And then they would talk to the doctor and then I was going out and see about so-and-so, whoever I left sitting out there and let them talk to the doctor. So having a good relationship with your psychiatrist, therapist, and um, watching your kid, you know, because um, basically observance, you know, seeing things in the child, withdrawal, uh, things of that nature or fighting, like that told you about Brian. He used to hit his head into that bed. I don't know why he didn't have a brain or something, because he would just, wham! I mean, just hit his head into the bed, and I'd be like, oh my God, please don't do that. And I just kept, and I would take him and put him in my arms and sit there. I think Brian was about nine or ten at the time. You know, so... It's a lot, and it takes toll on you, too, after a lot. You know, I think if you just um, fostered one or uh, even maybe two children of that, but when you done had quite a few of those kind of kids in your home, it has taken a toll on my body, on my health, and uh, I do believe I could have went a little longer, but I can't go. This is it. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, that sounds like very interesting. But why would you take this one? Go get another one. You don't want any of it. Go get another one. No, just go in there and get another one. You are a big girl. You can go inside the refrigerator on that shelf is yourself. You and your sister. Yeah, so I know that um, it sounds interesting because I know that my grandmother did it for a number of years as well. And mm-hmm. I think that depending on like the age range, like my brother was a lot for her to handle. He had a lot of issues coming to the house that put all of us in danger. And so there was uh, situations that I had to look at if I was a parent 
and I had to make, you know, decisions, I would have done the same thing as what my grandmother did. Right. And so I think in your case, though, to have a child, um, like, kind of harming themselves is, number one, scary to kind mm-hmm. of see this and deal with, but then also the fact that you would hug them. I think mm-hmm. that don't need to be overlooked, need to be, you know, shined upon because the kids, maybe they were abused or something happened to them and so they're acting out a certain way. Right, that's what it'd be. Yeah, that's yeah. what it'd be. And, and that's their way of escaping it. They're yes. hurting themselves thinking they're hurting whatever happened to them. But you know what? It wasn't long before he stopped. Good. Yeah. But that's the same one where the teacher said he would tap her room and just, oh, it, it was, it, she said, I just cannot believe this is the same child. And, mm-hmm. uh, and he wasn't the only one. But, you know, you can win mostly anybody over with love if you show them because see that's what they want the kids want sincerity they don't want a phony they, if i'm i'm the same when they do wrong you do not get that you got to be obedient you can't live here like you're the only one and mm-hmm. everything has to be wrapped around you we have two three people here in the house and we have to you know give into everyone's needs so we um we don't get to watch tv like when joey david and trevor downstairs watching tv and playing well joey was the one he would act up and he would be bad and the kids come man and joey is doing this joey is doing that and so i would go there and sit on the step and i would talk to him i said joey if you don't stop it, you're going to come upstairs with me. And he, he'll he act good for a few seconds, and here they come back again. I said, come on upstairs, Joey. Mm-hmm. I make him sit in his bedroom. I said, now, when you feel like you're sitting there with no TV and by yourself, and you can come and talk to me and tell me what's bothering you, and you're going to do better, I, I may let you go back. So he'll, he'll sit in, if he, it depends on how angry he is. He'll sit in there for maybe 10, 20 minutes, and then he'll call, Nanny, can we talk? I said, sure. What you want to say? I'm sorry. I said, okay, I accept your apology. I said, but what are we going to do about it? I can go back down there, and I can play. I can, I can be good. I said, but I'm going to tell you something. And I want I said, look me in my eyes. I said, now, if you go back down there and you start again, guess where you're going? To bed. I said, there you go, boy. And he go down there and be good for the rest of the day or evening. So <laughs> not to have structure. You cannot, You, I don't care how old or how young a child is, you've got to start teaching them structure, how to listen and we're not, you know, because kids going to be kids and you got to let them grow up too. But when they get to a certain age where they should know how to have structure, how to sit there and listen when you take them somewhere, how to be good. You know, when afterwards you give them a treat, take them to McDonald's or take them for ice cream. You know what? You feel so great. Oh, my goodness. You did. <laughs> Guess where we're going? And see that that um, oh wow, 
we going to get some ice cream after this. So I'm going to be good, <laughs> you know. Uh, <laughs> you know, so you give them a treat and let them know you appreciate them acting that way. And you say, because you did this, because you were so good, and because you were so sweat, I'm going to treat you. So what do you want? What do you want to do? Where do you want to go Saturday? Want to go bowling? Want to go to the movie? What you want? Ask them what they want sometimes. It's not all about you. I'm through because I could talk all day, girl. So go on with your questions. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you have plenty of stories and plenty of experience. <laughs> I have my uh, grandma and I just started like asking her more questions uh -huh. about like her experience and the type of kids that she had and um I was happy that she was taking me and my two brothers because I was how old was I I was ah I want to say forget 10 I just had turned 10 but my brothers stagger right above me so like 11 12 13 mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so we were really close in age and I was like oh my oldest brother that stayed with her was a teenager technically and so I'm happy that she basically just took us in all together. Yeah. And she had, space, she had the, the family structure. She had us eating together. So she definitely provided some of those things that you're talking about. Right. And, you know, although she wasn't emotionally vulnerable with us, mm -hmm. she provided a space where, you know, we could be safe. And wow. I think me, that was what I needed. I just needed a space that was consistent. Right. And and even though I have my little issues that I had to go through, um, right. my growing pains of me having to learn like how to be a young lady, right. um, what I'm supposed to do, what I'm not supposed to do, testing my boundaries a little bit, and then learning through the process, um, she definitely gave it up to me and said like, hey, if you want to stay here, these are the things that you need you to do. You have to do, right. <laughs> Yeah, I've used those words. Yeah, yeah, and mm -hmm. yeah, and it's, it's our responsibility to you know kind of listen, sit back. But I think what you're saying is that that needs to be provided very young. Right. Think about my my journey. My mom provided that when I was really young, talking okay. good, and mm -hmm. that conversation to have me you know, speak up for myself. And even right. though I was a quiet girl, I at least learned that skill before it was later in life that I needed to use them. Right. I, I'm happy that you were giving, you know, young kids the structure of this and, and the skills to know how to use their voice, how to advocate for themselves, how to think for themselves and make the decisions. For themselves as well so yeah I think that your parenting was definitely needed and all the kids that you had inside your home even though you know all of them were not successful right. the ones were successful you definitely made a difference well I thank God for that is you know is they when and I'm gonna say this it was not all me because they feel a lot of void in my home in my heart too you know it wasn't just them needing me I needed them too so that made a difference you know because I had lost my husband I was here alone and um even though my grandson kept me busy at the time yeah but uh it, it
difference. You know, the kids, you, you learn to love them, you cry with them, you laugh with them, you get mad at them. So it's a journey, just like you're going to do with that baby you got there. It's yeah. not going to all be uphill. You're going to have some slides down, but you got to uh, look at it like this is a journey that we're taking together. You know, it's not just me calling all the shots, mm -hmm. especially when she gets to be older. Yeah. You have to listen to her. Okay. What would be like something that you would tell someone that's uh, wanting to become a foster parent and they have no idea of the experience, but they've heard, you know, different things, of course, through friends and it's not so good. What positive thing can you share with a, a prospect? A you can't prospect? always judge the book by the cover. Every child is different and you can reach a child. If Now, if... They got so, the children are so different now. They are in gangs. They own drugs. You know, they're doing some of the things that you just cannot imagine. But you, if you really feel like this is your calling, I wouldn't tell you to do it for the money because even when they give you that money, if you take proper care of that child, it's for the child. I mean, still, you, because your gas bill, light bill, all your bills going to, sewer bill, water bill, all those bills are going up. Then you buy clothes and take the kids' places and the food. Oh, my goodness. So you know good well. It could not be, you can't say, well, I'm going to get it. I have heard people say that. It cannot be. You cannot, um, because you're not going to make money. It's not for the money. Because if you use that money that they give you in the proper place, it would only, you know, make it possible for you all to survive and to have the things that the kids need in your home. And so, but do it for love. If you don't feel like um, you would make a good parent and judge, you know, it was different. Can I say this too? Um, when I started, um, they didn't just put a child in your home. Right. You had to visit that child. The child come and spend a weekend or two with you. I would go get them and take them out to eat. And we go to a movie. This before the child came in my home. But okay. now they just call you up. We got these kids. Blah, 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 blah. And that started some years ago. So it was so much different. I went to look at a dog and I had to sit in the room and the dog just ate my legs up and I was burning like fire. I get to know the dog before I bought the dog. So, yep. I mean, but they just want to bring the kids into your home and you got this child that you may never had dealt with a child with this issue before, you know, masturbating and peeing on your flow and, uh, tang up your stuff and, uh, you got to know that you can deal with this. You know, it's just not something that you used to, you know, but you got to come at it at a different perspective, you know. So you just know that you, I've had him do some everything. This child here I have now, he'll tear your eyeballs out with you looking at him and say he didn't do it. So you have to find ways and means to help you in you know, checking and monitoring and all that kind of stuff. So it, it's not, a, it's, you got to know, it's not an easy journey. 
-hmm. everything is not uh, going to be easy, but it's the rewarding. If you stick it out, you get a reward. Yeah. And I think that you, you touched on like a really good point. It's not an easy journey, but it's a rewarding one. And the fact that we go through the growing pains with our biological children. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So about you said um, it's the journey that we take together, right? So we're yeah. on this journey together. Even when our biological our kids, they make mistakes. Yeah. And we can be like, okay, well, you for the streets. Go now, get out. You know, we have to right. kind of understand. Let's have a conversation. Why are you doing this? How can we help you uh, alleviate this and do something better, make better choices? And then we we keep bumping our heads, you know, with our biological children. Let's work out this. They don't want to do it. Let's do this as a plan. They don't want to do it. So I think it's about figuring out individual kids, their personalities, their experience, and how they can get through and overcome that experience that they've had, especially if it's traumatizing. Hmm. Well, see, and another thing, I don't know, you probably have blocked this out, but it's, it's up to you. Another thing that made it so much better was we had God in our lives. I took my kids to Sunday school in the church, and I taught them about God. See, now they're telling you, you can't do this, you know, and that's one reason I'm leaving. Because if you don't have structure with God, the, your creator, the one that made it possible for you to even be here, you're not going to have structure with anyone. And even sitting here at my counter in the kitchen, the boy left out of here to meet his brother and they broke into a man house with a gun on him and he went to, he, they were going to in jail and they asked me, Mrs. James, will you let him come back to your home? I say on the one condition and there was no way he could hear me because he was locked up in the back and we were sitting out there waiting to go into the courtroom. And I said to them, I said on the one condition and they said, what is that, Miss James? I say, if he get in there, in there and tell the truth, and I really feel it in my spirit that he's telling the truth, I say, then we'll let him come back. I say, otherwise, no, he can't come back to my house. He got in there, he cried, and he told the truth. They put shackles on his feet. The thing would go over my house, and I couldn't even talk on my phone. And they would knock on my back door every day at a certain time. And he had to go to that door and present himself to the officer. But I dealt with all of that to show him, you, you don't have to do this. Somebody cares. Somebody loves you. And he would sit there and read the Bible. And we would talk about God and everything. I don't, you, you, it, you cannot make it without that. And so that's one of the main structures that... Um, I presented to my children by letting them know about God and they took it on with them. Some of them didn't, but Hey, they learned. So I just want to throw that in there. They can teach you. They teach you masturbating. They teach the boys. Well, they got to get all, they teach them uh, basically, you know, everything, but the main thing that's going to keep these kids out of trouble, they don't want you to tell them. They don't want you you know, to tell them. So that is so wrong, but that's the way the world's getting now. Yeah. My grandmother had us in a church. <laughs> my mom had us in a church. 
My grandmother mm-hmm. had it in the Kingdom Hall. So, yes, I definitely believe that it provides a structure. Even yeah. if they, they question, they should have questions, you know? Right. I mean, it's not, and you know what is... What happened? You gone? No, we're still here. You oh. can pay. <laughs> even if we don't, even if it does not uh, penetrate, you know what I'm saying? If it does not happen, but then it showed them structure and it showed them there's something that you can connect or hold on to. You don't have to always, and they got so they enjoyed it because it was programs and they got to react on, you know, tell their little speeches and dress up because I always dressed them up like, you know, from the old days. I My kids looked good with their little soups and you know what I'm saying? So, and they enjoyed that. Yes, we still have Easter pictures. Believe me, Easter yeah. Sunday pictures. <laughs> well, guess what? My kids dressed like that every Sunday. When we went to church, they were, matter of fact, I got a whole line of young men suits down now, giving away a lot of them. But when the virus hit, I didn't was able not to give away quite a bit more stuff that I have to give away. Nice, expensive suit. So it's just a a, a a structured part in their lives that they do need. Yeah, because I know every every Sunday we would go to our Sunday school, then we would have to, you know, full service. And then right after, I remember going to Ponderosa. That's how <laughs> I was going it out there, because I know it was like a, a Sunday ritual. It was like a Sunday yeah. ritual. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you get to eat out. My, don't feel like cooking at the church, so you get to go out to eat. <laughs> yeah, so it definitely has structure. It had us like understanding this is what Sunday day is going to go into because you know the yeah. Sunday this would be a certain length, and then sometimes go over. And so Ponderosa, here we come. Right, we as much as we wanted to, and we were good. Yeah. yeah. So these are the things that I've raised kids in my home. And I think, that, you know, it's over now. I'm, I tell God, this is my last masterpiece. And at first it didn't look like much hope, but now it's getting better and better. And I'm just really thrilled. Good. Yeah. Well, thank you, Miss James. Thank you so much for uh, coming to interview with me because this was definitely something that was needed from like a perspective of somebody that's been a foster parent for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And I appreciated this conversation. I really needed this. And then one thing that I want to say, they should, since they don't let you visit with the kids like first, if they have a child, uh, they shouldn't put them in your house on a permanent basis at first, they should have like a trial, you know, to get to know each other, go out, do some things, you know what I'm saying? And uh, learn that child because everybody just don't connect to each other. Right. And, uh, you, you should get to know, it's not your biological child that you bore in this world, it's somebody else's child. And this child has gone through no telling what. And some people just can't deal with that. I've mm-hmm. had lots of people say, girl, I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you do it. Because some people can't. Yep. 
And to, please don't do it thinking you making money. Mm-hmm. I know that's right. It ain't really that much money in it. Mm-mm. And when you, if you do the proper thing, you you be in debt. <laughs> my grandma always used to tell us, especially because my brother and I, we used to eat. I was the athlete. We had uh, three boys in the house. Oh yeah. Cousins, and they yeah. <laughs> yeah, when you got them boys, you really gonna go through some groceries. Oh yes, and that's all I've ever done. I've never did girls. Oh wow, boys! Because one reason I did boys because of my grandson, mm-hmm. that's what, and that's what I put in for when I signed up for boys only, and then um. I don't know. I guess this was my destiny because the way my house is set up, God had me buy this little piece of junk. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I thank him for it, Lord. I'm not complaining. But it was set up in a way the for boys. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I can't describe it, but you you know what I, I mean. Girls have to have that and this and boys can, uh, you know, it's just set up for boys. <laughs> I just leave it like that. Because <laughs> you know what? One thing I used to often wonder, if God had to bless me in a mansion way out there and all that, I wonder what I have done that. I'd be like, oh, I want them kids in the tent of my beautiful home. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, you never know, do you? Right, exactly. <laughs> I mean, a different mindset. You, you were right. So I thank God. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm happy that you were able to pay, and especially the boys, because you know, that's a that's a true gift <laughs> to take yeah. boys and to really nurture them because the, the boys in a system definitely need like a different type of nurturing. Yeah. You know? The structuring I think is definitely needed amongst them. And so when Girls usually age out. There is all types of systems. So mm-hmm. creating if they don't like, get pregnant and have babies and don't want to listen and lay out there, you know. But boys, it's so much out there for them to get into. Well, the girls are getting just as bad as the boys, but it's it always been more to pull the boys out there. Girls usually got get their head turned by boys. But yeah. boys had so much gangs and violence and drugs and stuff that were going on out there that, you know, you had to try to structure them and try to keep their heads on level to keep them away from that. So, yeah. 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 Okay. And then I, I just know that there's a, there's a lot of, of pressure on a boy right. to like be a part of the, the crew. Yeah. And they- doing anything <laughs> you're just part of the crew that's not doing anything and so like right. it's easier to get caught up and then as soon as you get a record it's over with your entire life basically because this one stupid decision that you decided to do with your friends and now yeah. you have a record made that mistake like that boy that i had i told you he that he was here with them shuckers on his feet and he was such a good baby then and i told my son um, I, he said, mother, uh, little, I said, you know what? He reminds me of a dog I had once. And uh, he said, what you mean, mom? I said, I had the dog and I 
she was good dog long as you kept her out there tied up but <laughs> put that cow loose oh my goodness she would be gone loose sure enough soon as them shekels came off his feet he called me though i give him credit he would call me miss mm -hmm. uh, james uh I'm at my grandmama. I ain't coming home tonight. I'm so and so. I'm with my girlfriend. I said, okay, I'll report it. Good night. Be careful. Love you. <laughs> but you know, because at first, when he first, before that, he would go out there and he wouldn't even call. Then you got to go through all this reporting him missing. The police coming to your house, keeping you up all night, you know, and all of that kind of stuff. So at least I say, please call, please call and let yep. me know. And so at least I got him to that point. Absolutely. Yeah. And I don't think you know, we got young minds, you know, as teenagers, we don't think about the long-term consequences involved. I remember being like 13 or so, and I had a mentor. She took me up to the library and I did not think about her being responsible for me. So I left the library and I didn't even tell her that oh, I had left with my cousin. And so I'm pretty sure she was losing her mind. Yes, she was. You know, I she, can tell you that from experience. She was. <laughs> and then literal me not realizing this, not having a single clue about it. Right. And for her to have like called around, hey, I'm missing her. I'm missing her. I don't know what happened. And then for me, I walked through the door, I saw her smiling and giggles and, well, what's going on, <laughs> everyone? That, my granddaughters, they, when they moved from across the street, um, they, their mom brought them over here to finish out the school. And uh, they would get out. And uh, so I would go right there, right across the street and pick them up. So that day I'm sitting there waiting on them, waiting on them. They, Never showed, and the elder kids was going. Where are they? They done walked out the other door and went to a friend's house. Oh my <laughs> god, I'm devastated. I'm calling my son, I'm calling their mom. I don't know where they're at, you know. And, um, anyway, she was going through some changes. That lady that you was with, <laughs> just telling you, girl. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's you just don't realize it. yeah. <laughs> about us knowing. I had to. I had to realize. Like I went to counseling, and I was like, "You just gotta let people know what's going on." That mother will always kind of mention, you know, the kids that would go missing because they didn't, you know, inform. And I was like, "Wow, okay." Yeah. And, and so, so these are kids that you know totally nothing about. When I say nothing, because that paper that county brings in your home when they bring that child. That, that don't even hit a lick with what you're going through, what you're going to find out. And and I had kids open up to me about being molested and things county didn't even know. So when they bring that child in your home, you just better be prepared and ready for it because you don't know. You don't know. You definitely don't know what that baby has been through and what they're going to put you through. <laughs> And you just got to sit back, relax, enjoy the ride. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Because I mean, trauma has to come out one way or another. Yeah. You know, with, you know, 
the right ways of releasing it. But, you know, I say this all the time, like, you know, if you're frustrated, yell at me. Because yeah. I know what it's like to be in foster care. So if you don't know how to release it, maybe you have to ask someone, like, hey, is it okay that I, I yell? I'm not yelling at you. I'm not angry at you. But I just really feel like I need to yell in this moment. And see, so I had a boy do that. He was cussing. He was in the basement. He was down there just cussing and going on. And I never cursed him. Mm-mm. So my other boy, the son I adopted, he was, I'm going, ah, you ain't going to do that. You ain't going to do it. I said, just be quiet. Let me run this show as always. You go somewhere and sit down. So I let him vent it. Yeah. And then I called him to me. I said, Demond. Have you ever heard me swear? No. I said, and I have other babies here. I said, why would you do this? I said, I know that you are afraid because you have to go to court tomorrow. I said, but um, that's not the way to handle it. And I said, I want to tell you something. As long as you live in my home, you're not going to disrespect it like that. I said, now, if you need to leave and go somewhere, do what you need to do, but you're not going to do it here. You're not going to walk in my home and curse and go on and do all those disrespectful words and things that were coming from your mouth. It's not going to happen here. And he apologized. And do you know he never did it again? He never did it again. Witness. So... That's what it takes for them to kind of purge it out. You yeah. not whatsoever, allow them to get it all out. And then have that conversation once they calm down and kind of right. that boundary. Yeah. But see, the thing about it is, just like you said, you have to sometimes let them vent it. But then you have to bring it to their attention, too. You can't just, because, I mean, I know that this is not a one-time occurrence. But then you can tell them like this, say, when you need help. Like I told this baby uh, just this morning, when you need help and you need somebody to talk to, come upstairs. I'm here. I'm right in the house with you. And I love to talk. Come on, let's get it on. <laughs> and they'll laugh. Okay. And they, you know, and then I come down to, I look at their face. I say, you, okay, come on. And I'd be right in the middle of something I want to see on TV. But I turn the TV off. Yep. And I listen. And I hear what they say. I don't always have the answer. I said, well, we're going to have to work on this one some more because that's a hard one. <laughs> yep. At least you weren't just there to, uh, to help them vent and talk it out. Right. And then you send them play ball. Go out there and play some ball. Come on, <laughs> let's go bowling. I, I used to take them bowling all the time. And I beat most of them. <laughs> I said, y'all to be ashamed letting this old lady beat y'all at bowling. Can we play one more game? I said, sure, because that was happening them, and they didn't even know it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, my brother always taught me to, uh, if like, I was frustrated or something, to work out. You yeah. know, get out your body. And so... Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Here she goes. I'll be right there with him. Well, is it over? 
It's so fun because we could. I could sit here and talk to you. I, I, I love the conversation. Yeah. Out. And then I have another daughter, and she is um sick. So I got to go back in here and kind of attend to her. She had a fever. Oh man, what you give her? So we gave her Tylenol yesterday. My husband was actually here. He gave her Tylenol, Gatorade, and water mm-hmm. yesterday. And so she was sleep majority of yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she woke up early, uh, late in the evening and she ate some beans. I was like, wow, like you don't really eat beans. But, you know, you eating the beans today? Okay. And did Girl, it stay down? Was she okay with them? Yeah, she she ate the beans. She did not. She usually eat the rice, but she did not have the rice. She didn't want it, but she ate all of those beans. And I was like, okay. And they stayed down. She went to sleep. Took her shot. And so today she's still. You know what? If you if she continues to have a temperature, you can uh, you know give her a sponge bath. Don't have the water cold or don't have it hot, but you you know give her a little sponge bath and. uh, and just give her some old Tylenol. You can, and then if she continue, need to take her to the doctor because it could be uh, that COVID or something. You have to be really careful these days with that COVID out there. Yeah, you know, it, it's reoccurring and it's bothering with the children more so now than the adults. So you watch that temperature and and call the nurse on call because you may have to just take her to get a COVID test. Just to be on the safe side. Because when children interact with other kids, and you don't know where those kids are. Because DeMont said they take they took off their masks in school yesterday. They said they didn't have to wear them in school no more. And I'm saying, oh, my God. Because, uh, you know, some kids you feel comfortable around. But then they got these people coming in and out of their homes. And, you know, you just don't know. Yeah. Yep. And that's what we, we, well, my husband, he called um, the nurse on call because he's like, ugh. And he had, I'm like, have you, have you just, you know, attended to anybody that was sick ever? (laughs) But he did right because you, with the COVID, see, it's a little like when we were coming up and even with these kids, you know, they got a fever and then I would, because I used to work at Health Hill Hospital for children. And mm-hmm. I worked in the titles and then I worked in the nursery. So I had a little experience with fevers and different stuff. So I would always know what to do. And if it didn't break after a certain time, then I would get concerned and take them to the doctor or call the doctor. So yep. just, but with this COVID, you can't take those chances like you, especially now that, you know, the kids are getting sick. Yeah, and so we we called the uh, doctor and made sure. And so she didn't have any diarrhea or anything. So like, we're just checking, making sure that she doesn't like continue to be elevated with her. Yeah, and then see, give her get act, get something that she can smell. Yeah, and um, give her something she can taste. And say how that tastes, and let her you know, and smell. What that smell like? And they, they said that's what it affects, your smell and your taste. Yeah. She can smell and taste because you, I know when Mother um, Wade had it, she said she ate, but she couldn't taste it. 
Oh, okay. She would eat, but she couldn't taste it. And it just got worse and worse till she had to go into the hospital. So, yeah. Yeah. My husband had it. So they said that he had COVID pneumonia. Um, I think it, it wasn't last year or the year before. He had that COVID pneumonia. And we were pretty much good. We were close in contact with him, but we didn't get it. Um, but I, I wouldn't put it past this. So he has been kind of asking her, like, hey, can you taste this? Is it good? Um, and then she just asked for a smoothie. We gave oh, her the good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it has the vitamins in it. So it's the apple, strawberry, not strawberry, banana, and it had like vitamins in it so that she can still get her nutrients. That's good. And get us some PD night. I keep that in my refrigerator. I even gave the dogs. <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> He was sick, and I had taken him to the doctor, and they extracted his teeth, and he was sick, and he wouldn't eat. I gave him some pity light. <laughs> and a few days, he was eating and acting like himself again. <laughs> okay. We have to get her some pity light. I know that we had some ginger ale, um, the Tylenol, the Gatorade. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I'll I'll put the uh light in there too. Tell so okay. so my husband and get some. Okay, honey. But tell him to take his wallet out because this really is expensive. Oh my god. Look, I don't understand how they had this stuff so high for these babies. The Pedialyte is uh expensive. It had gotten high from what it used to be. At the last, I got some in the refrigerator, but I had it a while, and it was much higher than I used to pay for it. I can't remember, but it looked like it was in the teens. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. It was like nine ninety nine. I don't forgot something, but it's hot now. Yeah. Yeah, but. Anyway, I'm gonna get off. I'm gonna leave you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> it was sweet with you. You too, baby doll. Thank you All so right. much. Thank you. Thank you. All right. <laughs> Check. See you. Bye bye. Where's the marker?